Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and I am extremely excited to introduce our guest today. He is a physical trainer, a professor, and a research scientist at Tarleton in Stephenville, Texas. It is Dr. Andy Wolf, and he is full of so much information on what it's going to take for us to be elite athletes inside the arena, how we're going to get that competitive edge that it takes to be a winner and to stay a winner. And one of my favorite things that he says is, if your horse could talk, would it look at you and say, Hey, you're making me do all this work. When are you going to start? Well, folks, today is the day to get started. And we are going to start by increasing your knowledge and giving you that education because knowledge is power. And if you're like me, you're going to sign up for what he has to offer at the end of this podcast. So without further ado, I want to welcome Dr. Andy Wolf. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. Um, Again, I am very excited to have you on the podcast. I stumbled across your stuff on Instagram and then I looked closer and I was like, wow, this is exactly what people need to hear. And I have become a big advocate for fitness and in all of my lessons and clinics and everything that I do, I talk a lot about how to use your body because what I have found, at least in this industry and the kids that I work with, is that so much of it is focused on, okay, do this with your hands, do this with your legs, and then your horse will do this. But it goes so much deeper into knowing what muscles to use and activating the right muscles and having them triggering with your brain so that you're not overusing one muscle and getting sore or sending the wrong message. So I am super excited to hear what you have to say. Um, This is Dr. Andy Wolf, and he is from Tarleton, and he's gonna share with us today you know, just how he got into it, what he does and who he is. So take it yeah, away. So, so, so thank you for having me on today. I, um, I'm glad you stumbled across our stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, my name's Dr. Andy Wolf, just Andy Wolf or Andy's fine for today. Um, some of my students don't even call me Dr. Wolf. Most of it's just Wolf. So I'm okay with either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're, uh, you're 100% right whenever you're talking about, hey, rodeo and is is so much about your body and it's so much about activating the correct musculature at the right time and making sure that that your brain is sending signals to the correct musculature in order for it to activate appropriately which then in turn a enhances your performance and b reduces injury and that's basically what we do within strength conditioning so but um so i I'll jump in. I guess I'll just give you a little bit of a, a preview of, of who I am and what I do and, and kind of how I got into this. Um, so um, I'm from Texas. Um, I'm from the, the, the good state of Texas. Uh, Cameron, I'm, I'm, I'm so sad that you're no longer down here with us. Um, but I understand. Um, <laughs> not, uh, I'm in uh, Stephenville, Texas. So I, I am a professor at Tarleton State University in the Department of uh, Health and Human Performance. Um, And I run uh, the Kinetic Performance Lab, which is a laboratory that specializes in uh, improving or enhancing uh, athletic performance through innovative exercise. So I I don't just work with rodeo, but I have recently kind of shifted towards that population because I have found a huge need for 
exercise, strength conditioning, and enhancing fitness for that population. Yeah. And, and man, we have been working with the Tarleton rodeo team for approximately a year and a half, two years now. And we have seen great results, absolutely outstanding results. Um, it, outside of that, I have worked with some, um, some rodeo athletes and professional rodeo athletes for approximately two and a half years. Um, a good friend of mine from high school hooked me up with some of their individuals. They were looking for training and, and I started training them and realized a, how much, uh, first off, how much I enjoy training rodeo athletes and working with that rodeo athletes and then b how much they benefit from just some some small uh things that we can do in the gym that transfers straight out onto the uh onto the dirt and and i say onto the dirt usually we say you know onto the field or on yeah. the court it's nice to say it transfers to the dirt so yeah. it's kind of but um so i i primarily teach strength and conditioning, personal training, corrective exercise, those types of courses, exercise physiology, kinesiology. And, and, and then I take a lot of that and integrate it into the programming for the rodeo team at Tarleton. And then also uh, a lot of the consultant work that I do, um, which is where I'm, me personally, I'm working with uh, professional rodeo athletes or youth rodeo athletes or athletes outside of, the, of Tarleton. So, um, so that's, that's kind of, is that a good enough, uh, uh, I guess, uh, background information? You bet. So let's break that down and simplify it a little because some of these kids on here, like there's some big words in that. And um, a lot of the people who listen to this are parents and then their kids going to rodeos and stuff. So what yeah. are, what is it that you do? Like what kind of exercises are you doing and what are the benefits? Okay. Um, so the, whenever we, whenever we train athletes, whenever we perform strength and conditioning, we, we typically look at three things, right? Um, and the three things that we look at are the, the injury injury is number one. We always look at, okay, what, what injuries occur most frequently in that sport now? Um, I'll jump into the other two here in a minute. The, with rodeo, we, we throw out a lot of the, the, uh, the impact type injuries. So contact injuries. So, it, I mean, like concussions. Like what you would have happen in like football or rugby or stuff like that. Right, exactly. Like, so uh, I had an athlete that he's a bull rider. He fell, he fell forward, um, got a little bit too out in front of himself and he, he wears a helmet, thank God. And he hit his head on, on, you know, on the top of the horns, right? Gets knocked out concussion that we don't consider that to be an injury we can necessarily prevent. Okay. So whenever we look at injury, we look at, uh, basically musculoskeletal injuries or injuries that frequently happen to our muscles through repeated movement. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, is so that like overuse, overuse. Absolutely. That's okay. exactly. What, yes. So 
in sport, we are constantly repeating the exact same motion over and over and over and over again. And if we don't allow our body enough time to repair and recover, we end up with, yes, overuse injuries to our musculoskeletal system um, or to our, our muscles. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that we look at. We look at, okay, where are the potential risks due to the constant movement patterns that happen in this sport? So, and correct um, me if I'm wrong, but if we, since we do like, okay, for instance, I ride horses every day. So I am building yeah. the same exact, I'm using the same muscles. So am I, yeah. I've got those conditioned, but if I condition the muscles around those, then that's going to be better off for me. Cause like if I go run or if I ride a bike right now, like, oh man, biking is like the worst thing in the world, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> I do not like riding a bike, but you would think that like, since I ride horses all the time that I would have that kind of strength, but the muscles are different still. hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. So, um, man, this could, this could turn into like, like we had talked about previously, this could turn into like a four part series of just, or really just these three, but with, with riding the horse, right? Yes. You're going to get very strong at typically, um, your, your glutes, right? Glutes. So, uh, your butt muscles are going to get really strong, right? And then your adductor muscles or your, or your muscles that cause your legs to squeeze together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, typically people think of it as like your groin, right? Those, those muscles get really, really strong. Does that sound familiar? Oh yeah. Does that, does that sound about right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So, um, and, and those get really strong, but like you had said, okay, well I go and ride a bike and my quads are on fire and you absolutely hate it. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason that happens is because whenever you're doing your sport, you're relying on a particular um, area of your legs to, that, that are constantly firing in order to maintain, you know, stability on this horse to keep you from falling off this horse when you go around your barrel. Right. Um, but the problem is our muscles work in opposites. So if I'm really strong at squeezing my legs together and that's all that I'm doing, well, I'm not very strong at taking them the other direction, right? Or winding them out. So what ends up happening is I get really strong or my, my adductors get what is what's called overactive, right? And then the opposite muscles, the ones that are in charge of abduction, which is moving away from the body, right? Or the midline is getting weak, right? And that is, is one of the issues that we see with, it, with injury is we see individuals that get really, really strong in one area, but really, really weak in another area. So whenever... So then that's so what we, causes overuse, right? Because we get so strong in some places and not the others. So we overuse the main muscles for that specific task or athletic movement and then cause more problems in the end. Yeah, and then, and then what also can happen here is my weak muscles will... At some point, I have to use them, right? Maybe I get put into a scenario that I'm not typically accustomed to during riding, right? Does that ever happen to you where, oh, I didn't mean to, to do it this, this way, yeah. right? But it, so I end up having to use those muscles. Well, those muscles aren't strong enough, right? Because they're not activated enough in order to put me into the position that I need to be in. So 
those muscles are so weak that they fail us and that can cause issues too. Um, other things that we see with just constantly having these strong muscles, it's good, but the, the, sometimes the stronger we, we make them and the constant contraction of them makes them tighter, right? It makes them really tight. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. So if we're riding and our muscles that are super tight get to a position of, of stretch that they're not accustomed to, that's where injury occurs as well. So there, there's, there's kind of a, a, a balance that we have to create whenever it comes to exercise to where we want to be strong, right? But we also want to have the, the range of motion or the flexibility within those strong muscles to overcome, you know, extreme lengths at times during our event. And then we also want the others to be our weak ones to get stronger to help us if we if we fall in positions that we're not usually accustomed to. We have to use those. So um, that's that that's really the first thing that we look at whenever it comes to training rodeo athletes is, hey, let's figure out what what's going to be the muscles that are going to be overused. How can we lengthen those muscles out? How can we take care of those muscles, keep them strong, and then start to strengthen the others? So that's the first thing that we do. All right. What's next? Any questions? <laughs> Not yet. Um, I, I am like eating this up. I absolutely like I said, I love this stuff and I'm a constant student of it. And um, at the American, I think it was the first or second year that they had it. There was a girl who went in there and she had this powerful stud horse and she made it into the top four and she rode two handed around all three barrels. And when she came out, they asked her like, how do you use two hands and keep your balance on a horse with that much power? She said, I do a lot of yoga and I really work on strengthening my core. And I was like, huh, you know, at that point in time, I was going to a lot of pro rodeos and looking for every last little tenth of a second that I could get. And I knew that on the backside of my first barrel, I was just enough behind my horse that we weren't finishing super strong. And so I started incorporating yoga into it. And then just since then, it's just built to where I realized how much figuring out what my body's doing can help myself, my horse. I feel better. I ride better. I compete better. Like all of it is. So I am definitely a student of it and eating it up. Yeah. So I'm well, what's next. Yeah, and <laughs> The biggest thing is you integrate exercise, you integrate into this, this strength conditioning into your, your day-to-day -day routine and you gain those, those small, you know, tenths of a second, hundredths of a second that are so important in rodeo and are so important in many other sports, right? And really that's one of the big things that strength and conditioning does is it provides you with just that little bit of an edge that moves you from, you know, average in the pack to, you know, top 90th percentile or something along those lines, you know? So, um, so the second part that we look at within, within training and within rodeo athletes is we've, we've, we've diagnosed, well, I, I don't want to say that, right. We've, 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 we've figured out, we don't diagnose anything. Assessed. We're, we, we've assessed and we've, uh, 
we we have found the areas that need to be uh, uh, worked on in order to keep us healthy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I like to look at the movement, all right? So what's called the biomechanics. So biomechanics is, is looking at um, how our limbs and muscles work and, and our limbs and muscles are nothing more than a bunch of levers that give us, you know, that, that help us overcome um, resistance, right? So w whenever we look at the, the at analyzing the movement patterns that occur in the sport, we, we watch a lot, or I've watched a lot of, of uh, rodeo events and I watch them in slow motion and I look at, you know, all the different joints within the body and what position are they in during specific aspects of the sport. Um, I, whenever I first started uh, working with rodeo, I, I worked with, um, and I still work with this individual, I worked with an individual that's a steer wrestler. And man, that was, that was a lot of fun, breaking down what happens during steer wrestling. Yeah. And I'm pretty naive uh, to all the different things that are going on in rodeo. Now, I'm, I'm from Texas. I've been to rodeos. You know, I did the whole mutton busting thing whenever I was a kid. I mean, I've picked up a rope before, but I, that wasn't my sport growing up. But, I, you know, analyzing steer wrestling was so cool to me. Um, because well, not, not to interrupt you, but like with rodeo, what I found is like a big difference between rodeo and our more traditional sports is you got one shot to make something happen within, you know, at the most, your longest barrel run, depending, I mean, unless you're at one of the really big rodeos is, you know, like 17 seconds is a standard pattern and you're yes. looking for all this stuff to happen. And you've got one shot to get it done. Whereas yes. other sports, you know, it's, you've got an hour or 30 minutes or however many quarters, or, you know, you get to right. do re re repetition and repetitive stuff and, and in rodeo, it's like every little movement counts in every single moment. Yes. And that, and I think that makes a difference between, you know, in steer wrestling, guys that are constantly running, you know, 4-1, 4-2, 4-3 to the guys that are running, you know, the sub fours. Mm -hmm. and, and because they're so fine-tuned at moving their bodies when they need to move their bodies and, and being very efficient with that movement during that particular event. Um, it gives them strength conditioning and training specifically to that event can give you that edge to where you're strong enough whenever you get into that position, you know what that position feels like and you know how to fire your muscles with the correct timing during those positions. And um, with, with, uh, with steer wrestling, it was amazing to me that I'm going to drive, you know, 200 miles to a rodeo, get on a horse, run out there, miss my steer. And then I'm going to go, well, let's go to the next one. And, and, and it's, that baffled me. I, I was absolutely taken back and it, it almost made what I was doing for those individuals even more significant because you get one shot. And if you're not prepared for that one shot at that rodeo, that one run, <clears throat> I mean, that's it. So they have to be extremely strong. Same with barrel racing. You have to be extremely in tune with your body to capitalize 
on that one shot. Yeah. And, um, in every and, event, you know, whether you're team roping and, and, you know, you've got to, I think like, as you're talking about not only what your body does, but I can only imagine that if you're doing this strength training and you are working on firing those muscles, when you get in the moment, just naturally your brain trusts your body more than if your muscles aren't like your subconscious, there's a subconscious mm -hmm. part of it that your brain knows that your body can handle it versus if you're tight and your subconscious protects you from making certain moves, which actually causes injury in the end. Yes. Yeah. Not to, not to go down the rabbit hole of how your brain necessarily functions right now, but it, it, we did some surveys on some, some rodeo athletes a while back. And one, one of the things we were looking at was just some qualitative, you know, reports of, Hey, how do you feel? And almost every single one of them that had been participating in our program, felt more confident right and yeah. I, I mean like I said I'm not the one in the dirt but <clears throat> anything that you can do to raise your confidence level I think you'd take advantage of that wouldn't you well yeah so I, for me like since I've been um when I am focused on my fitness and I know that I am doing what it takes to keep myself physically mentally nutritionally and emotionally prepared by working out, eating right, practicing, reading books, doing all of the things, I feel better. But if I get up in the morning or if I make sure that I get that workout done, the rest of it falls into place. Because if I work out, then I want to eat healthy because I've already taken the time to take care of my body. So now I'm right. going to take the time to fuel it. And then it's like, well, if I did that, then I can, like, I've got the energy and the stamina and like, I really, it, it all matters, but fitness is a huge, huge component of it. It's like you're, it, it, you wake up in the morning and, and it's like your jump start, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it's what gets you going in the morning. It's what puts you into a good place for the rest of the day. You've made a very good decision at the beginning of the day to take care of your body, just in the same way that you guys take care of your horses, right? And then it just continues to fall into place yeah. and you continue to make those good decisions throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and, and um, kind of while we're on that topic, man, I had a great conversation with a rodeo gal a while back um, and the individual wasn't that receptive at first, but they came back later. And after our conversation, they said, thank you. And it was pretty cool. Um, I had a conversation with this individual about, Hey, whenever you're getting ready to go, right? What is your, what is your pre competition routine look like? Oh, well, I get on my horse and I warm my horse up and, you know, I make sure that they're prepped and ready to go, <clears throat> making sure that they've eaten and had enough, you know, enough water and all this type stuff. And then, and then, you know, the, the, the bell sounds and it's my turn to go out and, and run the race. And, um, and, and that's basically it. And I said, so wait a minute, you're telling me that you've spent 100% of time on your horse and 0% of your time on you, right? This, is, this, this sport does not just involve the animal, it involves you. So the, at best, your performance will be 50%, right? And, and it was a, I think that at the time, it was a tough pill to swallow, but they came back and they said, I've been warming up before I go out and I've been taking care of 
my body, which is the other 50% of this event. And my results are going through the roof, right? Obviously there's times whenever I don't run as good as I want to, but I feel good after and I feel good during. And it's, it's been amazing how if we take care of both parts of this sport, the livestock and yourself, how your performance increases. Yeah. It, it is just absolutely amazing. Um, how fast around. Go ahead. That was something that I asked myself, like when I started doing the yoga, it's like, okay, so I will put in the work and I expect my horse to be in hundred percent shape. Why would I expect anything less of myself? Like if, yeah. if you're in tip top athletic shape and I'm not, there's no way I can ride that athlete anyway. And that was like yeah. a big eye opener for me is that if I'm not fit to ride him to the level that I've gotten him, once we go fast or add speed or back in the box, then I'm the one at fault for us not doing it. And I will, I am guilty of it. I will spend thousands of dollars on vet bills and massages and machines and supplements and all the stuff for horses. Yet I got a massage the other day and I think it's the first time I've done it in six years. <laughs> yeah. And they're not near as expensive as horse massages, are they? No. And like the chiropractor is the same thing. Like I go, I have got better about going to the chiropractor, but like, oh, my horse, like I can tell that they're out. Yeah. I walk around and feel like a stiff board. And for the yeah. time, like, did it take care of myself? And like, even just taking an Epsom salt bath, an Epsom salt bath, like things yeah. like that, that are simple that we can do to improve our performance is going to help us improve our horse's performance and is going to help us in the arena be successful. Yeah, yeah. If your horse could talk, would it look at you and say, Hey, you're making me do all this work. When are you going to start? Uh, not to be too terribly blunt, but I mean, but you, like you said, getting out of that box, you've got to be prepared for the horsepower, you know, pun intended that, that you're getting ready to uh, experience. And yeah. if you have the strength to overcome those forces that that horse is going to put you through or that that bull is going to put you through or that that bronc or that that steer, right? All that is going to put you through, you, you're going to fail. Like you're just not going to be successful. And, and that is what it is. Um, and, and that's the harsh truth of it is if, if you want to be better, A, you can't, you, you can't expect yourself just to practice yourself into shape. You have to do something outside of the norm of, of cowboy and cowgirlin, right? And you've got <laughs> cowboy and cowgirlin. Yes, uh, I said it. And, um, and, and you've, got, uh, you've got to get yourself in the gym. You, you've got to get yourself uh, in the dirt doing some conditioning stuff. You, you have to, you know, practice some form of flexibility type training. Right. Um, and, and I'll get into some of the specifics of that here in a little while, but those are very, very important. All those. Yeah. Um, but the, so to kind of get back on our, our topic of the big three that we look at, right. We, we went down some rabbit holes, which is fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, uh, the last one is, is the, the physiological, um, or energy system requirement of the sport. Okay. So this is, this one kind of gets, uh, this one gets complicated. So a lot, of, and I'll, and I'll do my best to keep it, um, keep, 
keep it leveled down to where we don't jump into all the, you know, the, the fine details of, of muscle physiology and, 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 you know, bioenergetics and that type of stuff. But the, the, the movement patterns and the injuries seem to be things that, that people understand. And it's, it's quite simple. Okay. Uh, I know that, that I have to strengthen these muscles if I want to be successful because I feel myself in these positions and I can show people that, right? The, the physiological aspect of it is a little bit more difficult. And I found that this one is actually really difficult to get people to change their perspective on. So whenever we look at rodeo, you got you, your camera, you're probably going to go, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong for a while, right? And, and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that do, okay? How long, ready? How long does a rodeo event take? How long? Like, what's the what's the longest like time that a rodeo uh, event can take? It's probably barrel racing is the longest one. Seventeen seconds. Yeah, on average, unless you're including like the prep time and the post time. No, I'm just talking about that event. Okay, um, like the moment the movement itself like when you nod your head or when you send your horse in i would say 17 seconds 17 seconds that's probably the longest one yeah uh, bull riding uh bronx right eight seconds right roping right? probably less than three what's what'd you say like breakaway roping you're looking at less than three. Oh. yeah breakaways it really really fast yeah um Team roping, Hopefully, what are we you know, you're looking at under 10 seconds easily. Right, right. You want to be under 10. Um, same with probably calf roping. Yes. Sure. Right. Bulldogging. We're less than five. Less than five, right? I mean, okay. Depending on where you're at, but yes, on average, right. I would say that's your goal. So, so just, just in looking at, at those events there, the time that we spend in our particular sport, right, is very, very small, right? It, it, it's, it's very small, right? right? It's a matter of seconds, right? So how long do you spend exercising? Meaning, how long do you go out and go for your run? Oh, a long time. How long are you spending on your bike, right? How long are you spending continuing contractions, right? Muscle contractions over and over and over and over again, whenever you go for a swim, right? How long are you staying in a particular yoga position? Yoga is actually not too bad, but I, I won't pick on yoga too much for rodeo, especially for your sport, right? What I'm getting at here is we, we have an event that takes a matter of seconds, but we're going to go out and we're going to run for 30 minutes to an hour. Right. Let me ask you this from just a, 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 a real logical, you know, point of view. Why? Why? If my event, if my event only takes 17 seconds, why do I need to run for an hour? To, I guess my thought is, to build up the stamina and the strength and the other muscles around the muscles um, and mental clarity. I, I like, I like the mental clarity. Um, the, it, that's, that's huge, right? If, 
if sometimes we need a release and we need to go and participate in, in, in our releases going for a run, 100% okay with that. When we go for a run, we actually diminish our ability to produce forceful, strong, fast contractions, which is what- Don't do my half marathon's a bad idea. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. If I'm you already are, signed up. Oh, it's okay. Do it. Um, I think it, it, that's, that's a, that's a whole different topic of, Hey, I want to go, I want to go run a Spartan race. Right. I have a buddy of mine. It's like, Hey, I want to run a Spartan race. Dude, you're a steer wrestler. He's like, I don't care. I want to do it. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll train for it. But yeah. your performance on the dirt might suffer a little bit. He's like, I don't care. I just want to run a Spartan race. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of how I am with the half marathon. Like I just, I set a goal a couple years ago when I wasn't rodeoing because my horses were sick that it's like, if I'm going to be doing this to get in shape, like I'm going to tie a goal to it. And like, I don't know that I have a desire to do more than one, but it's like a bucket list deal. And then I'm going to reroute now that I'm learning all this <laughs> awesome new stuff. Yeah. So, so the way that this works is our, our body, uh, our, our body needs energy to produce contractions, right? So if it, our body uses different energy pathways to produce contractions, depending on how long we are constantly contracting or constantly moving. So whenever I first decide to go and participate in an event, right? Like if you were to go out for a run and I were to tell you, Hey, I want you to sprint as hard as you possibly can sprint. Okay. And I just want you to go, 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 and just keep sprinting as hard as you possibly can. Over time, what's going to happen is you're going to slowly start to slow down, right? Depending on where you're at in, in your fitness level, right? Some people can extend that a little bit longer, right? Initially, what's, what what's going to happen? You're going to be really, really fast, right? And you're going to be very fast for approximately 8 to 12 seconds, okay? Very fast. After that 8 to 12 seconds, you're, you're going to slow down. You, you, you don't have a choice, right? Your, your ability to produce contractions is going to slow down, produce those violent contractions that you were doing prior to. That's what creates, you know, that speed, that, that increased force, right? It's, it's going to slow down. I, within my body, I can't produce enough, um, what's called ATP quick enough to continue those contractions, right? I'm trying not to get too deep into this. All right. So what happens is the, the energy system that is used initially in exercise goes away because it can't keep up with the speed at which you want to run, right? So I have depleted my storages within my body that provide me with the energy to make those very fast, powerful contractions, as that depletes, a different energy system must come in. That, set, that second energy system provides you with the ability to produce forceful contractions. They're just not as forceful as they were before, okay? Over time, that energy system depletes, okay? That's gonna be your 400 runners, right? You've watched a 400 before. They're moving, right? They're moving pretty quick. Even the 800, they're moving pretty quick, but they're not Usain Bolt sprinting, right? So they're relying on a different energy pathway to produce those, those contractions over time. Again, that system will go away and we'll have to have another system come in 
right? And that other system comes in, which enables us to continue the exercise or the activity that we're doing. But again, at a much slower, less forceful rate, okay? Whenever we do that, right, our body gets really good at using that particular system, right? In this case, you're training for your half marathon, marathon, excuse me. You, I would, I would, I would assume that if I were to ask you to go sprint, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel very good, right? You wouldn't be, you wouldn't have the capacity to sprint for an extended period of time. But if I told you to go run that last pathway you, is pretty trained, right? So it's kind of like, um, I guess the way that I've had that explained to me in the past, like your fast twitch muscles versus like your long fiber muscles. Right. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get into that because that's the muscle physiology side of it, which we'll talk okay. about. And then this, this is, is really, this is, yeah, the, the, uh, this is basically, uh, I mean, it's metabolism, right? It's, yeah. it's how, how our different systems work. So we have, um, well, it, it sounds to me like it's kind of like the horsepower inside of us. Like we can all relate to a horse can only pull for so long because they're going to run out of energy. A horse can only run barrels at a high rate of speed for so long because they're going to run out of energy. Like, right. Kind of. So if, if you want to be very good at running long distance, you should run long distance, right? If you want to be very good at sprinting, right? That first pathway that dumps off very quickly. If I want to extend that pathway to where I can use those forceful contractions for an extended period of time, I've got to practice in that, right? So it's the same thing with your horse. You don't take your horse out for jogs, do you? And just jog and jog and jog and jog and jog and jog and jog for hours, do you? No. You should be sprinting with that guy, right? Sprint, 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 right? It's, I mean, and, and you can see the difference whenever you look at different types of horses, right? You look at your quarter horses, right? Big muscular creatures, right? Beasts. And then you go over here and you look at like, um, uh, I don't know, like Arabian horses that run these, these long races. They're real skinny and lean, but they can go for forever, mm. right? It's the same concept with, with humans. It's the same type of physiology. Do you want to be good at going long or do you want to be good at going short? If, if you want to be good at going short, you've got to train to go for those, sh the short go, right? There you go. Um, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Right. So you've got to train the correct energy system. A lot of people are not training the correct energy system, mm -hmm. um, training the long distance system, because that's, that's, I mean, in, in all honesty, it's easy, right? It's simple to go out for a run. I don't have to program that. I can just go run and it feels good. And I feel like I'm doing something for my body and my, and my, uh, I'm getting a sweat. I feel, uh, you know, my cardiorespiratory rates going up. Um, I feel great after I'm done doing it, but in regards to enhancing performance, we're not doing a whole lot. Right. Okay. So there's, there's the energy system side of it. Then we dip into the, the muscle physiology, right? Which is what you talked about pre previously, just a second ago, right? We have different types of muscle fibers, okay? Here we go. Different types of muscle fibers create different types of contractions. Meaning, 
if I want to go fast, I have to target and I have to train type two muscle fibers. Type two muscle fibers are also known as fast twitch muscle fibers, right? Fast twitch work really, really quickly. If I want to go for an extended period of time, I will not be relying on type two muscle fibers. I will be relying on type one muscle fibers. Okay. They are much type one muscle fibers are much more resilient. Okay. Much more resilient than type two. Right. What However, do you call that like we've got fast twitch for type two. What's type one called? Slow twitch. Okay. Yep. Fast twitch, slow twitch. Okay. Very slow twitch, very resilient. Fast twitch, not very resilient. Okay. Slow twitch does not have the ability to contract quickly. Fast twitch does. Okay. If we constantly train the slow twitch fibers, we get very efficient at training and using the slow twitch fibers. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we do that, we neglect the fast twitch fibers or the type two fibers. So whenever we need to use them, what happens? We don't have them. We don't have them. They're in our system. We're just not efficient at using them. Okay. And whenever I say efficient at using them, our brain sends signals to our muscles, right? And it recruits the fibers within our muscles. Our muscles are made up of thousands and thousands of little, little itty bitty fibers, right? If I am good at sending signals and recruiting a lot of fibers, a lot of type two fibers, then I become very, very powerful, or I am able to generate a lot of force, okay? If, if my system is not good at recruiting type two muscle fibers, my ability to generate force will go down, right? So I like to look at it like this. You have long distance runners, right? Type one, power lifters, right? Type two, mm -hmm. big time type two, right? able to overcome lots of force, able to recruit lots of fibers, okay? If you were to take a, if you were, if you were to take a, a, a slow twitch, right? A, a, a long distance guy or gal and throw them into a powerlifting meet and stick 500 pounds on their back, it would break them. They would not be able to generate force to overcome that, right? Right. Same thing if we went the other direction, right? Have a power, have a power lifter try to go run a 5K. They, they can't even make it five feet, right? Be, and, and that's not what they want to do. That's not their goal, right? It, so they, they're not efficient at using the type one fibers. So if, if we, now hopefully I'm not boring the, the, uh, the class out there right now. If, <laughs> if we, uh, um, if we're constantly, if we're constantly expecting ourselves to perform better in the dirt, right, and produce violent contractions in the dirt that last for just a couple of seconds, we have to stop running distance. We have to, have to, have to. If there's one takeaway from this, well, I, I mean, I hope that there's a lot, but if there's one, I hope every single rodeo athlete out there stops running long distance events and stops running long distance for their quote conditioning. Mm -hmm. You don't need, it. you don't need yeah. it. Um, and I, I had a, I had an individual argue with me on this and 
brilliant argument, right? Not, not like argument, but the rebuttal was, um, hey, how, what if, what if I want to make sure that my weight stays down? You're getting on top of a thousand pound animal, right? I'm going to put 10 pounds of muscle on you. And that's going to feel like a fly on that beast. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's the way I have to look at it whenever I, I talk to a lot of females, right. Is I want to keep my weight down, especially for barrel racers is I feel like I'm going to get too muscular. I'm going to put weight on and I'm not going to be at the same weight that I'm at previously. I'm going to say, you're right. You might gain a little bit of muscle mass, right. But you're going to be able to overcome the forces that you talked about earlier of getting out of the box, right. Going around the barrel, you're going to be strong enough to hold on right during those types of events, because those, those are violent contractions, strong contractions that you have to produce. It's not, you're not going out there in slow motion and just holding on, right. It's not a trot around the barrels. It's a sprint and you've got to give everything you've got to hold on to the saddle horn as you're going around. Right. Yeah. I mean, and if you're not training that way, you're not going to perform that way. And the, the other thing is you might put some weight on, right. You might gain some muscle, but there's also other ways to keep your weight down other than just running long distance, right? There's other ways to do that. Nutrition. Well, and I think too, like, you know, just like you're talking about, if you are physically fit, if you're looking for that competitive advantage, usually the extra 10 pounds is going to do you better because you're not going to be hanging off the back of your horse when they leave the box. You're not going to be late. You're going to be more in balance with your horse. So you can either be with them or even be just slightly ahead of them so that you're keeping them in balance. What I see so often is with people, even little girls who are thin and small, they're doing their horse more of a disservice than somebody who's bigger because they're hanging off the side of them and they're throwing that horse off balance with what weight they do have versus the person who is physically fit, weighs, you know, 10, 20, even 50 pounds more that's sitting in the center of their horse because their body's under control versus mm-hmm. all over their place because then their hands get to go on everywhere and that's what communicates with the horse. And you can sit in the center of them and stay in the middle, quiet with your hands and have control of everything. You're way better off and you shouldn't even be worrying about your weight at that point in time if you don't have control of that already. I mean, I was going to, I was going to ask if I'm falling off the back of that horse and barrels, right. And, and it's because I'm not accustomed to right the takeoff or I can't overcome the takeoff. Does that send a signal to the horse to slow down to where I don't throw you off the back? Does that, well, does that... because you've got your hands attached to the, to their mouth. I mean, when you're mm-hmm. holding onto those reins, when you pull up, then yeah, you've trained them their whole life to stop unless you're riding a racehorse where they teach them to go into the bit. But yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're back here, then yeah, it's definitely going to trigger the stop. And the other thing that's really cool about horses and that we really focus on here at our place is that a horse's body will mimic your body. So a horse, if you want a horse to go in and like you see the reining horses and those horses that go in there and they slide and the calf horse and they get up underneath of themselves and their hips come underneath of them and their shoulders come up and they can slide. If you watch the riders, their body's doing the same exact thing. They're getting their hips up underneath of them. Their spine's got a little bit of a curve to it. They're engaging their abs just like the horses. 
Now yeah. the horses that you see that are stopping on their front end, if you watch the rider, the rider is not balanced and usually the rider's fallen forward and they're putting the weight on the front end. If you lose control of your hind end, then your horse is going to lose control of it. And gotcha. so if you, if people focus on when I can change a rider's body position to where their spine matches up with their horse's spine. And if they start thinking and gaining control of their body and I say, okay, what part of your body are you engaging? What part mm -hmm. of your body are you using? What part of your horse's body does it have to use to make that turn, to leave that box? That's the position that you need to be in. Yeah. I mean, that, that all makes perfect sense to me, um, especially whenever you start to relate that the horse is going to mimic what the human does. They're trying, they're not trying to buck you off. They're trying to keep you on. And, generally, you know, if, if generally speaking, generally, generally speaking, I've been bucked. I, I know. I've, um, the, uh, <laughs> the, it makes, it makes perfect sense. They're trying to maintain a, a, a good position for you. Right. I, I mean, I just had this thought of, it, it reminds me a little bit of like, you've seen like stunting with cheerleaders, right? Where the, the guy has to hold the cheerleader up. Well, if the girl's going back, the guy's going back too, yeah. right? Type, type positioning, you know, where the top end goes, the bottom end has to follow if it's going to maintain that, that balance. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if your front end, like if you're going into a barrel and you're leaning up over your horse, then it's got to compensate for that. And so it's either going to drop down or drop in to that barrel in order to compensate. Because if you're not in position to take that and to teach that horse what to do, like I see so many younger riders on younger horses, especially, or even just young horses with inexperienced riders. And the horses can't be athletic because the person riding them is all over the top of them sending so many mixed signals. But that's where all of this fitness and all of that comes into play because if you have control of your body and then you think about the horse having control of its body, you can put that together. That's when your performance goes to the next level. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that kind of, that's kind of what I was going to say is um, whenever we look at those three aspects of, of training and we, we marry those three um, sport evaluations uh, to, to the athlete, the, uh, it is amazing to watch performance just go through the roof, right? You, you don't realize how significant strength and conditioning is to the sport um, until you've experienced a sport that has never done it. Like, well, I, I said, and, and I will, and I'll, I'll step back for a second and say, there are some individuals in rodeo that are already doing this. Very and, few. <laughs> but, right. Right. But whenever, but it's like I was saying, whenever you integrate this into a population that's never been doing it. And I say that, you know, yeah. uh, conservatively, right. And you see the results that happen on or in, in the arena, it is amazing because they, they, their practice is the exact same. They haven't done anything different in their practice. All they've done is start taking care of themselves and the, the performance just goes through the roof. And it is, it is really, for me, it's very rewarding to see that. Um, and, and to have them come back and say, Andy, you've taken my performance to a new level. Like I, I can't even start to, to think of doing this without strength and conditioning anymore i can't think of of trying to be an elite athlete because that's what rodeo is now 
right? We're moving in that direction of rodeos becoming a big, huge sport, right? And, and we're moving in that direction to where y'all are elite athletes. And I can't imagine doing this without appropriate nutrition, appropriate strength conditioning, right? Appropriate sleep, right? Uh, all these, all these habits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got, I've got four kids, so I, I, I can't, I can't talk. So, um, but all these, these habits that help us, help us improve our performance. Um, it, it eventually, right. It, and this, this is kind of my goal is ev- it is eventually going to catch on for rodeo to where th- strength and conditioning and, and fitness are a part of the elite athletes. And if you want to be on the stage, right. In Vegas, every single person out there eventually is going to be participating a structured, very, very specific, um, exercise routine that is designed specifically for their sport. Uh, and, and we're not, we're going to move away from, we're going to move away from the things that we did while we were in high school. We're going to move away from, you know, what we see on Instagram, or we're going to move away from just going out and going for a run. And everything is going to be tailored specifically to that individual. And you're going to see, I think here in the next couple of years, you're going to see some results out of some people that are astonishing. Well, yeah, for sure. Like Tim O'Connell, he's been the world champion, I think four or five times in a row now. Um, or four or five times overall. And he went and got himself a trainer who is, I, I don't remember exactly. I think he was a college wrestling coach is who he was. And like, he is wicked fit and went to the next level. And that guy can stay on horses and his body can handle it. And uh, Jacob Talley is another one who's a steer wrestler. He didn't throw a steer until he was 20 years old. And yeah. he's not even 30 years old. He's been to the NFR three times. He's sitting number one in the world right now. He won the American. He was able to recover from completely tearing his pec in half to in 11 weeks being cleared 100% to compete at Calgary and got third because he takes care of his body and he understands the importance. They both understand the importance of physical fitness. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw a video of Allie the other day. I was... I was trolling. Um, I, I follow a lot of the cowboys and cowgirls on Instagram, and I was trolling through his his uh, his particular Facebook or no Instagram page, and there was a picture of him doing some deadlifts. And um, one of the best exercises that steer wrestlers can do is a deadlift exercise because it works on it works on, on on hinging at the hip versus a lot of knee bend, which they do a lot of hip hinging, and so it's it's a great exercise for them. Um, and there's some other things that we do with with uh, with steer wrestlers to where it's, it makes it more of a unilateral movement versus just a, a bilateral movement where it's both legs, but I digress. He, he had, he had a significant amount of weight on the deadlift and it was very cool to see that out of a rodeo athlete throwing somewhere around um, because that's what, like we had talked about in regards to which muscle are you using? He's using the right ones and he's seeing the results that he's seen because he's doing it right. Yeah. He's, um, he's, He's not taking a deadlift and doing it 25 times. No, he's taking a deadlift. He's doing it three times with a ton of weight and he's getting stronger and he's, and he's able to produce more force, which whenever he jumps off the horse, grabs the steer and then goes to spin it and extend at the hips, it's easy for him, 
right? He's, he's moving a two, 300 pound animal around. Well, he's been in the gym lifting 500 pounds for the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. That's easy. Yeah. That's what we want. That's, that's what we want out of athletics is for me to be able to make the competition way easier than the practice. Yeah. It's an easy part of it. And if you're fit, then that's so much easier. So here's another question. Can a person do long distance and do still work on their fast twitch muscles? Um, they can, um, but, they can't eat the butt. <laughs> they can, but they're not going to be as efficient. Right. Um, I think that in some cases, uh, it's okay. Like you had talked about, you know, it, if going out for a run helps you with mental clarity, if going out for a run, uh, helps you with, uh, promoting some, some activation of the muscles that may be sore. Yeah, go do it. It's uh, blood flow, right? Running like, you know, constant contraction equals more blood flow to a particular area. Well, blood flow equals repair, right? Because we send we send our our repairing um, proteins through our blood, right? And then it helps us regenerate the muscles from soreness. So yeah, if you're doing it in that in that way, absolutely, I'd suggest doing it on a bike because it's low impact, right? Running at impact, but. I, I think in some cases it's okay. I just wouldn't use it my specific method of training, right? It, I think that um, I think that if 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 you're doing it occasionally, sure. I um, if if you want to participate in some sort of like cardio respiratory fitness, I'd say let's do intervals, let's do sprints right? You're going to be breathing hard. Your heart's going to have to work. Your lungs are going to have to work extremely hard to keep up with the intensity that you're working at. So instead of going for a 20 minute run, Hey, let's, let's save you some time, right? And let's do eight sets of eight second sprints with, I don't know, a minute in between. Try that, right? Try that out. And if it's, if it's energy expenditure that you're looking for, you're going to get just as much out of that as you are from your 20 minute run. Yeah. Right? If it's management that you're looking for, you're going to get a lot of energy expenditure from that particular type of exercise where we're sprinting all out, right? Heart rates through the roof versus just a, a steady state exercise, right? Where our heart's just at a steady state going across, right? It's elevated, but right. it's not, it's not as elevated and peaked out as it would be if you're sprinting. So that, that is what I would suggest if, if you're wanting to continue some form of running, do interval type stuff. Um, or if you're needing to go for a run for repair, yes, go for it. Absolutely. Again, I'd suggest getting on a bike, going for a swim. Those, those two are a little bit, uh, they're a little bit better because there's not as much impact on your, on your body when you're doing those. Yeah. Why do you think there is such a hype for the half marathons and marathons? Oh, uh, I think it's, I think, I think it's a lot of like what you said is it's a goal. It's, I mean, it's, there's so many of those events that people can participate in and sign up's easy, right? Get online, sign up. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Finding a training plan for it. That's easy, right? You can get online and you can look up, you know, I could Google it right now and I could say, okay, how can I, how can train for a marathon? And yeah. you're going to find a website that's going to give you exactly what you need every single day for the next, you know, three months. And the other thing is 
you don't have to buy a single piece of equipment other than some running shoes. Yeah. I have an app that I downloaded that it was a hundred bucks, but it gives me something to do. The nice thing about this app that I like about it while I'm working towards the school is at least you only do a long run once a week. And the rest of it is like overall strength training. Like yesterday I didn't leave my front porch, you know, it was all just, um, bear crawls and inchworms and downward dogs and like it was more upper body than it was so I do appreciate that but I am clearly learning a lot about (laughs) my decision (laughs) to do this (laughs) well here's here's the other thing though is while while I may be saying hey you don't need to do this you don't need to do this you don't need to do that if if you're participating in physical activity that's important right I, the last thing that I want to do is completely discourage somebody from, from participating in activity. If you love going for a run and, and you're sitting here and at the end of the day, you're telling me, look, I hate working out or I hate lifting. I'm not going to lift, but I'm sitting here telling you, you need to stop running. And you're like, I'm just not going to lift. Then keep running. You know what I mean? Continue to be, continue to be fit. Because I think at the end of the day, in, in my field and probably in your field as well, I'm an advocate for physical fitness Yeah, and I'm an advocate for living a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the majority of the things that I do are to enhance your performance. I still understand the, the greater goal of, or the bigger goal of all of this is to live a healthier lifestyle, you know? And um, I think that if, if, if all you want to do is go run, and that makes you happy, recognize that it's not going to make your performance as good as it could be, but you are still going to be considered a healthy individual. And that's important too. Yeah. But that's when, if you are adamantly resistant to working out, you got to ask yourself, do you really deserve to win? Yeah. Like if you're not willing to do the things it takes that aren't fun, that you don't enjoy. And it's just like everything, you know, I was listening to a little deal came up on TikTok and it was about devotion and how at first you have to be disciplined. I mean, no matter what you do, you have to be disciplined, but you have to be disciplined, especially at the beginning of doing something. Like once you get past that first three days, that's when the discipline kicks in. But once you get past the first 20, what is it? 21 days creates a habit, 30 days sets it in stone or something like that. 90 days into the lifestyle um, or something along those lines. But after that, it becomes enjoyable. Once you change your mindset, you use the word perspective earlier. Uh, Perspective is everything. And if you want to win, these are the tools that it takes. If you don't, if you're okay with the status quo, if you're okay with going out there and performing and winning here and there, but not being on top year after year after year, then Go for your long runs year after year after year and right. do the extra. But if you really want to, then here's what you got to do. This is, yeah. And, and um, there's, there's only one part of winning that's comfortable. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. There's only one part of winning that is comfortable and that's at the end. Yeah. Right. You, like the, the part where they hand you the buckle. That's the only part that, 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 that genuinely I mean, at times, like feels good, right? I mean, there's a lot of extra, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffrage that goes into being an elite athlete. Like we look at, we look at some of the most successful athletes on the planet. 
right? That right now we're, we're living with Tom Brady, right? Tell me, tell me that that guy wakes up and just goes for a long run. No, not a chance. Not a chance. That guy is busting his butt, doing everything that he's, he's told to do by his, by his, you know, exercise scientists, by his coaches that will put him at that next level, right. Or, or at that, that top level, which is where he's Keep at. Him. Keep him. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and I think it's the same thing. If you really want to be at that level, if you want to perform at that elite level, you, you have to follow some of some of the scientific principles that, that we've discussed today. Right. Um, and you have to, you have to commit to them. My gosh, you, you, you can't expect to, you can't expect to perform at that elite level if you just go to the gym twice a week. Yeah. Right. You yeah. can't expect discipline to stay committed to your commitments. Right. And I, <clears throat> I mean, man, one of the hardest things that, that I have found in, in training and working with rodeo athletes of recent is, is Cowboy Christmas. Wow. That, it is, huh? <laughs> I said, we gone. Yeah, exactly. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely gone. And you guys are all over the place. Right. And I, I uh, and, and I'm, and, and I've never done it. Right. So I, at, at times I can't say exactly what the best method is, but based off of what I know, would you be more successful if you said, okay, these are the rodeos I'm going to go to. Right. And I, and really what's it about? It's about, it's about gaining, gaining, gaining a slot in the standings. Right. I gotta, I gotta win enough money to where I move up in the standings. Right. So how can I do that? Well, I can either hit every single rodeo, right. And make a ton of money from all these rodeos and be mediocre. Right. Or would I be more successful if I registered 75% of them, right. I registered for 75% of them or maybe 50% of them. And, and you can stop me if I'm crazy. Right. And I rest and I recover and I go out there and I perform at a, a, a better level of fitness. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I've rested, I've recovered, and I've been participating in my strength training along the way, right? And you see with, more of that happening now because there's more rodeos with more money added that if you can get to the rodeos and perform, like you're saying, well, at those rodeos, you see more people going to less rodeos than what they did in the past. Um, but, and there's just, there's so much that goes into all of it, you know, but like, I definitely agree. And um, one thing that we did a podcast with Jacob Talley and he said, well, I've got a subscription to Anytime Fitness. I can go to an Anytime Fitness anywhere in the country. So that allows him to hit up a gym, even if he has to drive 20 miles to the next closest town, you know, and maybe there's a town that he can't, but there are so many obstacles 
at a rodeo grass. Emily Miller was talking about how she, her husband is um, an athletic trainer. And so yep. she's gotten really into that and she's made it to the NFR a few times and she's into fitness and you can go up bleachers. You can use your own body weight. You can carry a yoga mat. You can have some weights or an exercise ball. Like if there's a will, there's a way. If you're determined, yeah. there's a way to make it happen. And it, a lot of it is just removing the fear of what other people think and setting right. yourself apart to be that champion and have that championship mindset, no matter what it looks like. It, and, and I think that, that part of that is culture changing, right? You've got to change the culture just a little bit to be okay with, all right, maybe I'm not going to go out and just drink beers with the boys after the rodeo. I'm going to go get my, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, and at the same time, you know, all right, maybe that's okay occasionally. Yeah. Right. But, um, so what I've learned and what I've developed is, um, and you've probably poked around on my website a little yeah. bit. So I have created a, um, a, an online platform for rodeo athletes and it's, it's exactly what you said. You've got, you've got ind individuals that have, um, they have memberships at these, these particular gyms, right? And those gyms are spaced out all over the country. Well, I offer an online training, which is a monthly subscription to where you can get in to my website and you can download the apps, app that's associated with it. So you can get this all from your phone and you, you tell me, hey, what event you're, you're running um, what, what your fitness level is, um, what your goals are. And based off of th this small survey, I generate a workout program for you. And I put you in a particular group, whether it's you're a barrel racer. Okay. This is what you're doing. If you're a steer wrestler, this is what you're doing. And those workouts get shipped directly to your phone. Right. And it's just like any other app, right? Within each one of those workouts, what I've developed for the Cowboy Christmas was goodness gracious, y'all needed it. Um, it. Every single, or not maybe not every day, but three to four times a week, you'll get it. You'll get in. You'll log in, and you'll have your list of exercises to do. You click on that exercise. What in the heck is a is a lateral lunge pal-off press with an overhead reach? Don't worry, we got a YouTube video for it, right? So it's simple. You click on the link within each one of those exercises. It ships you to one of our YouTube videos, shows you the exercise. You jump back over there, complete your sets and reps. Um, the, the other great thing that I've done with it is I have, uh, I have made it to where I show you guys how to do it in the gym. And then I show you guys how to do it on the road. And that, that seems to be one of the biggest things that I've gotten some, some good compliments on from the athletes that are working with me right now is uh, all you need is a dowel. So you can do like a wooden dowel. You can get like a, a metal dowel, a metal rod, and some resistance bands. So um, I would say get some of the small mini bands. And then there's also, you can get on Amazon and just get a pack of like the, the bigger, longer resistance bands. And there's different ways that you can loop it onto those dowels and you can create resistance um, from that resistance band and in placing it in different positions, you know, under your feet or, you know, onto a, uh, onto a, onto a post or a pole at your rodeo ground, something along those lines will enable you to mimic the exact same movements that we do in the gym and then put it on. the. So it's, um, it has been, uh, for those that have, have been participating in it, I've, I've, uh, I've run a pilot run on, um, on a newer program that I was running and they've really enjoyed it. Um, and, and, 
some of the individuals said, I don't have a gym membership whenever we first started going. And I said, that's fine. All you need is a dowel and a band and you're good. And, and a feed sack. I think everybody has a feed sack, right? Um, there's some extra extra empty one. A whole one. Okay. I just didn't know. If it was a, I assumed it was full, but I wasn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Full one. We want some, we want some weight on your back. So, I mean, I mean, there's some exercises where I use like a heavy bag, right? So I have, I mean, there's a piece of equipment that's a heavy bag and, and we'll just throw that on the back and that'll be your resistance. Well, you can, you can mimic the exact same thing with the feed sack. So, um, I've, I've created that for the rodeo population. And I, like I said, the individuals that have been doing it, I've seen some great results out of them. They've seen some great results. They feel healthier Mm -hmm. as they're going through this, um, this cowboy Christmas, because I know that it's a grind. Um, and if, and like we said earlier, if you're not taking care of your body during this grind, it, it you know, the grind's going to take care of you. Yeah. So. Yeah. And especially if you want to last a long time, you know, like when you're young and when you're really athletic and stuff, like, yeah, you can get by with some stuff that you can't get by with when you like, I'm 30 now. And it's like, Woo, it's a little different now. And uh-huh. so, like that kind of stuff, if you want to be like the Tom Brady's and the Trevor Brazil's and those guys of the world, like it takes maintaining yourself through the changes of life and your body and taking care of yourself. So I think mm-hmm. it's all wonderful. Um, how would somebody go about getting started? So um, if if, if you're wanting to jump in on one of our programs, what I would suggest doing is visiting our website. Um, go to wolfandsonsperformance.com, right? Wolf is spelled W-O-L-F-E, right? And, and sons and then performance, just all one big long word.com. We'll um, yeah. And um, we'll, um, from there, we have um, a... Uh, Golly, we got a homepage which has a bunch of information on what we do. It's relatively new website page, um, but you'll get to see some of the things we do there. I think I've uploaded our uh, our, our standardized warm up onto the page already, so you kind of see. Um, so if if you're an athlete that's just looking for a warm up, hey, there it is. If if you need a warm up before you get going, um, I I got on there the other day and I was like, you know what, I'm going to ship some stuff out here for free for you guys. Um, if if, if you need a warm up, there it is. Standardized warm up, get after it. Um, so you'll see that. And then um, the, the training plans, it's, it's relatively simple. You'd go to our packages and then you just click on the, the training plan um, and you'll, you'll purchase that. It'll prompt you with an email and then it'll send you a couple of those survey things that we discussed earlier. And then once I receive those, I'll do an assessment on your survey and then I'll ship you over the information. And you'll get started on your program within the next couple of days. Um, so that's one you can you can get a hold of the program, and then feel free to um, check us out on Instagram. Um, Instagram at uh, it's just Wolf and Sons Performance, um, and then also we're on Facebook as well. Performance and three times a week um, on that on that particular page. Um, and, and most of it is you know, different types of exercises that, that help, help with rodeo, right? There's, cause there's people out there that are constantly asking me, Hey, what's a good balance exercise for this? So yeah. I'll think something, I'll shoot it out to them. Um, you have a, um, this is one thing I've always wondered and maybe you've already done it, but like, yeah, while you're on the road stretches, like when you're in the vehicle, when you're in the vehicle. So I, um, I did a post a while back on my Instagram of, 
hey, these are some things that, these are some exercises you can do as soon as you get out of the vehicle, right? It's difficult to do stretches while you're in the vehicle because vehicle because you're in this static position like we're in right now, yeah. right? But there are there are particular muscles, right, that get really tight, and you feel that if you've been on the road for a long time, that that get really tight after sitting in a vehicle for a while. Um, and I did a post on that a while back. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I need to upload that again and I'll shoot it out on my, my content a little bit. And then maybe I'll upload that into my website. Um, but maybe even like breathing exercises too, cause you can do that on the road. You can. Yeah. So breathing exercises, any sort of diaphragmatic breathing exercise is basically expanding the, expand the belly out and sideways. Right. And then as you exhale, pull those that rib cage down pull that belly button to your spine anything like that that deep breathing is going to help with relaxation and then releasing any sort of muscle tension which is going to be happening while you're driving so you can do that just don't put yourself to sleep doing it Um, um but really the the biggest ones that we run into are the hip flexors get really really tight right hip flexors get super tight driving and we typically, as, as we are right now, is we tend to lean forward a little bit, right? So we got to straighten back out. Um, so any sort of what's the, the mid spine is called your thoracic spine. So any sort of uh, T-spine, thoracic extension type exercises, any sort of rotation exercises um, to where we're extending and rotating back in the opposite direction of, of that, that forward lean are very good. Um, hamstring. Hamstring stretching is very, very good because our knees are bent. Your knees are bent right now as we're sitting down, yep. right? Means that our hamstrings are shortened. So we need to lengthen those suckers back out whenever we get out, get out of the truck. Um, so really, those are kind of the big three that, that I see. So, um, and then sometimes shoulders as well, because shoulders are kind of associated with that rounded and we're constantly steering. So our, our shoulders are out front. So anything where our shoulders is a good stretch as well. But so really those three or four areas are are things that typically get turned on too much while we're driving. So we got to stretch them back out again. Yeah. I always have like uh, either a tennis ball or like a lacrosse ball in the truck too. So like while Mm -hmm. I'm driving down the road, I can put that like behind my shoulders and stuff and work out those muscles. And that's always nice. Some uh, self-myofascial release. That's that's, that's good stuff. So work out the, work out the little, uh, adhesions within your muscles, little knots in your muscles. Yeah. If you can, if you can do that stuff while you're driving. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of these, like the professionals and the kids, you know, like some of these kids just traveled to Lincoln, Nebraska from California and Texas and everywhere. Or when I was in high school, we went to Farmington, New Mexico. That was a 22 hour drive. And these guys go into pro rodeos and even the amateur rodeos. Anytime you're in the truck for more than, you know, 30 minutes, you've got a chance. And why not take advantage of that time when you're not doing anything else to work on the things that you can work on so that when you get out of the truck, your performance is more likely to be enhanced. Yeah. And you don't feel like garbage. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I see on your website, I was going through it while you were talking about it, um, the hour services and under the training packages, you have a nutrition coaching. What is that? So nutrition coaching is, it's a, uh, it's a newer program that I'm actually still working on right now. Um, I've, I've published it, um, for, for a couple of individuals that I'm going to pilot it this with. Um, so, uh, just nutrition is, is one of those subjects that a lot of people, 
um, are, are almost like afraid of, right? Because there's so much information out there on nutrition and there's so many fad diets and there's, uh, yeah, exactly. There, there's, there's so much information about what is right. What isn't right. You know, well, ketogenics the way, you know, no, I needed to be doing the paleo diet. And, and I, I think that, um, whenever it comes to, to diet, it's about, it's about life habits and what you can, what you can sustain. Right. And, and, and it's like exercise. If you don't have two hours a day to exercise, well, then you don't need to be doing a two hour program. If, if you, if you, the demands of your activity makes it to where you have to eat out, well, then we need to figure out a, a healthy way to eat out. Okay. You have the only thing open at 12 o'clock at night is Waterburger. Okay. We're going to Waterburger tonight. Well, you, you're from up north. So what is it that up north that that's the burger joint? Oh, so yeah, we've got some, I know what a Waterburger is. I've been down there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I some of our listeners are gonna be like, "What is Waterburger? It's yeah. the greatest, uh, the ba- the greatest fast food burger on the planet." Okay. Best um, X and ever. <laughs> yeah, X and ever. No, it's not In and Out. I'm sorry, um, but there's, I know, th- th- there's there's healthier options on the menu, right? And that's that's what we need to be picking, the majority of the time, right? Now that's not to say that it you can't you can't have a burger, right? And and I think that that's the big the big misconception is man I just feel like I need to eat grilled chicken and spinach for the rest of my life according to all these diets. Well, you don't have to, right? It but it, it's it's about moderation. So and that's that's really what I'm trying to do with the uh, with the nutrition aspect of things is giving people. Um, giving people a lot of feedback on, okay, what are you eating right now? What can we, what can we replace to make it a little bit more healthier? And then based off of what your goals are, okay, when do we need to be eating these things? Right. Because if you're, if you're doing fit, if you're participating in in exercise and physical fitness and that type of stuff, you, you've got to eat afterwards if you want to, to, to get the benefits from that type of exercise, right? If you're not, you're just wasting it. Um, So that's really important. What should I be eating prior to my competitions? When should I be eating prior to my competitions? Right. So, um, uh, that's, that's really what it, that particular nutrition coaching is about is, is taking what people are currently doing and massaging it to where it's, it's fitting their lifestyle. Right. But it's, it, it's not this like complete lifestyle change, which is what we see a whole lot of with, with the majority of, of, fad diets and, and nutrition coaches and, and that type of stuff. So well, and I um, do, like with the fad diets, what I see is that's for a generalized population. That's for the mm-hmm. average person that has a nine to five job, sits behind a desk, goes home, does laundry, sits on the tele, sits on the couch and watches TV. That's my interpretation of a, a very generalized um, overview of a lot of the fad diets that we see. But just as the exercise programs depend on what you're doing, what your event is, so does the food you eat and how much you eat of it and how much water you drink and the supplements that you take and all of that is so dependent on what your lifestyle is, what your goals are. And that's why it's intimidated me. Like nutrition is like, I don't even know where to start because you look at one thing and it says one thing you look at it and it's like, I just need to find somebody to tell me what to do that I trust and I will follow that plan. Right. And, um, and there's a lot of, 
like you said, there's so much information out there about that. There's so much conflicting information. I think that's the best way to put it. There's so much conflicting information out there about what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, but it really comes down to what is your goal, right? If, if, if your goal is to perform at a high level, like a rodeo athlete, if you ever have a nutrition coach that's telling you to cut carbs out of your diet, man, I'm telling you to run as fast as you possibly can because carbs are the primary fuel source of our muscles, right? And they're the primary fuel source of our brains. So I'm pretty sure I want my brain to function really well whenever I'm going out there and have to make split second decisions. And secondly, I, you know, I want carbohydrates in my system in order to fuel my muscles for, you know, the contractions I'm getting ready to make. So, uh, um, like you said, it really comes down to what is your goal? What is your lifestyle? What are you doing? Because then we have to tailor our nutrition accordingly. Uh, And it, and it changes for every single individual and every single sport. Um, And like I said, it, it can be a touchy subject at times because people love to eat and um, I love to eat, but, but there's a lot of, like I said, conflicting information out there. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what that one's about. Like I see you have a clinic scheduled or maybe you already had it. No, the one so we, August 9th through the 12th. What yeah, are the clinics? So we've got a, uh, we've got a clinic coming up in August, uh, 9th through the 12th. So registration for that clinic is actually going to close this Friday. Um, I sent out a, a message via Facebook, Instagram last week. I'll send a couple more out this week. Um, this, these clinics are, um, they're, they're strength conditioning. So individuals show up 8.30 and we go through a hour, hour and a half strength conditioning session. As we're going through this session, we break down each part of this session to, okay, here's the warm up. This is why we're doing this warm up. Here's, here's the, what I like to call neural prep, which is where we prep the brain for the activity we're getting ready to do, right? So this is where we're doing our, our core activation. We're doing our balance training. We're doing some sort of plyometric work, maybe potentially some um, speed, agility, and quickness work, right? And that's all taking place right after our warm-up. After that, we're jumping into the meat and potatoes, which is resistance training, right? We're going we're gonna to target the particular muscles that are going to be used for your event. And then after that, we'll have some sort of I call it conditioning or metabolic um, type activity, which is what people typically participate in during like, like, like we talked about, you know, like your long distance runs. Well, we're still going to do some, something that's going to challenge your, your, your metabolic system at the end of that workout. So that's going to take about the, the way that the, the clinics are set up is we'll do that for about an hour, hour and a half, take a break for 30 minutes. And then we have some, some professionals coming in that'll talk about, let's say we have a vet coming in that's going to talk about horse health right? And how to manage that on the road. We have another individual coming in that's going to talk about um, uh, the college rodeo setting. So we'll have the, we'll have a college uh, rodeo head coach uh, at that clinic. Um, Tarleton's head coach is going to come. Um, we will have a sports nutritionist come out and talk about sports nutrition. Um, and then I will do, I'll do a session on uh, a lot of the stuff we talked about today, but we'll, we'll break it down a little bit further and do um, uh, show some images of, Hey, this is what's happening during these particular events. These are the muscles that we targeted today. So we'll do that for four days. The first two days we'll use like actual, um, in the gym equipment. The next two days we'll use that dowel and resistance band. So we'll 
we will take the exact workouts that we did from day one and day two and then flip it and we'll do all of it with a resistance band and a dowel. And you'll be able to see how we can take this exact same thing and get it done. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's essentially what the clinics are. Um, and we're excited for this August when we've got some individuals signed up, looking to sign up a couple more uh, before the end of the week. And it should be a, a really, uh, a, more than anything, it should be a very educational experience for, for rodeo athletes and then also parents or even coaches that are interested in coming. So we always open it up to, hey, if you just want to come and watch, come and watch. Yeah. I, I, come and watch, come and learn, take, come and digest this if you want to. Hey, your kids are participating in it. Hey, I want you in here too, seeing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and so, especially as you're at the forefront of really making this shift and making it available, you know, it just takes so much time to educate people. Um, I have another company yeah. called the Performance Pony Company, and I sell all quality pony tack. But it took me quite a bit of time just to, one, let people even know that I existed, and two, let them figure out that they really needed it, and it really makes a difference, and that takes time. So it definitely sounds like you're taking the steps to introduce it and involve people in it um, and get their get their little toes wet to begin with before they jump in all the way. Yeah, it's, it, it, it definitely is. Uh, it's an investment just like your, just like your other, uh, like your equipment for your horses, your trailers, all that type of stuff, you know, your fitness is an investment at the same time. Um, and I think that, um, there, there's a lot of people out there that may be buying these, these apps and using those types of, of things like your, your old school P90X type things, or you may be going to the gym and you may have a trainer that's, you know, that works with you a little bit, but I, I will say you get what you pay for right? It's, it's the same thing with your, with your standard equipment. If you want to get the, a specialized program or a specialized piece of equipment, you, sometimes you have to invest a little bit more than what you standardly would um, to do that. Um, and I'm, that's not saying that my pricing for what I do is unreasonable. I'm just saying you, like, you've got to invest a little bit of money in this and you've got to invest a lot of time into it as well. And, and I will say, and I will say that it is a lot of time. It's it, like your fitness is an hour and a half, two hours out of your day, every day. And that's not including what you're doing for your nutrition. So, yeah. but I think that, I think that most rodeo people understand that, you know, you spend that with your horses every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I well, think that that's, the question that I think that rodeo athletes, that parents, that kids, that professionals get to ask themselves is if they were to take a little bit of time away from their horses and put it on themselves, how far ahead would they be? And yeah. having it, one thing that I've learned a lot about this year is having an abundance mindset and that, you know, that there is enough time and that there is enough money to invest in yourself and it will return in abundance. You know, the Bible tells yeah. us that. I have it on my computer because I, have, I struggle with an abundance mindset. And I think I even wrote it on my, I have it written on my whiteboard too. So it's like everywhere that it says on John 10, 10, he comes to give you life and give it more abundantly. But just like anything in the Bible, you have to invest it. You have to give it yeah. up. You have to put in the time. You have to give your money away in order for it to come back. Just like you have to put in the time physically in order to perform 
at the level that you want. You can't be right. a winner sitting on the sidelines, not getting better. So it's just yeah. a choice that we all get to make. And those who choose to invest in themselves and invest in their horses and invest in the, it's holistic, you know, every aspect of life. If you give a little bit everywhere, then you're going to gain in the long run to the things right. that are important. Don't give everywhere, but give to the, to the things that are important in life. Well, and I think it's a lot like, like you and you had talked earlier about, um, hey, being disciplined with, you know, um, you know, investing in, in being a Christian, right? If, if we're only, if only, if we're only speaking with the Lord, you know, once every now and then, you know, what's the return on investment going to be? Like, if you want that relationship, you have to invest in that relationship, right? Not just when you want it, but all the time in that way, it's there when you need it. Right. Type thing. So, and, and fitness is so much like that. And, and man, the Bible is great. And, and, there's so many cool verses in there about fitness that I, I, one of these days I'm going to write a book on like, uh, you know, biblical fitness or something like that. Um, and, and basically showcase that, Hey, the, the big man, he had this figured out a while back. You know, he tells you exactly how it was supposed to be done in the Bible. Same with nutrition. There's a lot of really interesting things within the Bible that talk about nutrition that are quite appropriate. Um, so, um, they yeah, it's uh, in the Bible, fish, bread. I mean, they had fish. to drink a lot of wine because the water wasn't pure, but. Well, I think again, <laughs> moderate right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I'd be interested. That sounds like an interesting book to learn more about it. I guess I've never really thought about it, but you know, I've never seen a picture of a fat Jesus. No, never. <laughs> he walked. A lot. He did he walk a lot. lot. And he rode donkeys and yes, he he, did. I'm sure him and his disciples were very physically fit and they didn't eat a lot of junk food. No, not much at all. You know, we do a monthly Zoom meeting uh, with rodeokids.com this week or this tonight, actually, we have one with two bullfighters at 6 yes. p.m. tonight. So we're really excited for that. And I think having you as a guest on that where the kids can actually ask you questions directly um, would be really cool too. So maybe we'll have I'd love it. Guest I would love next it. month. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. It'll um, be the last Tuesday. We do it the last Tuesday of every month. So it'll be August 31st. Okay. I will put it on the calendar. Awesome. If it's, if it's on the calendar, it happens. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, I have to put it on multiple calendars. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. I, I have it. I'll have it on my wife's written calendar. I'll have it on my my, my school calendar, I'll have it on my personal calendar. Yeah, it's, it's got to go all over the place. Awesome. Uh, well, I am excited. And by then, I while I was waiting for you to get back on, I went through and I am going to sign up for the um, online training because I'm in Iowa. Yeah. So I'll be yeah. and the nutrition coaching too, because okay. that's important. And I would love to learn more about it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Uh, I'm glad you're jumping in there. And um, We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the programs and stuff and I can talk personally with you on some of that stuff. And, um, with, with a lot of it, I, I think that like you had said, this is so brand new to the rodeo population, um, that I am having to figure out what works for you guys. Mm -hmm. Right. So like 
any type of feedback that I get from y'all is so helpful in refining what I do to where it can, it, it is manageable for y'all. Cause I mean, like we talked about earlier, I mean, y- y- you ask people not to sign up for all the rodeos, you know, during cowboy Christmas and they're going to go, I have to, right? yeah. if I want to make for livelihood. Exactly. So yeah, asking people to step back and take, you know, a bigger risk in not signing up for all of them. That's difficult. So how do you manage, how do you manage your fitness better? Well, that's, that's where I've got to come in and get the feedback from, from individuals like yourself and individuals that are on the road doing that stuff to where I can refine my processes to where this is something that is manageable for the rodeo athlete. Um, Because if, I mean, if, if you just take a simple training program and say, hey, this is what I want you to do every single day. Well, shoot, I'm, I've got three rodeos today. How am I going to do that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. You're not. <laughs> uh, we'll pick up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Skip today and tomorrow and we'll do the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, that would be I, awesome, and I'm really excited about it. My goal is to um, – I've had kind of a rough couple years with rodeo, like just life and business and horses and everything, but um, I'm getting back on track there, and so I'm really excited about it. My, I'm going to buy my card next year, and I'm a big advocate for this breakaway thing that's going on. Um, I don't have the horsepower to run barrels uh, again right now. I have young horses, but um, – I do have the horsepower to break away. And so my goal is to increase my fitness level so that I know that I have taken care of that avenue, which will help my horsemanship and all of the above. So I have a breakaway gal that, that works out with me. Um, so she doesn't do the online. She does in person with me. Um, and she comes three days a week and she like, I've learned a lot about roping from her, which is really fun. Like the more, the more I'm around this sport, the more I learn about it. Um, not that I'm, not that I'm good at any, by any means. It's, it is very cool to see people in their sport, in their craft and watch how efficient they are at that movement. Um, and, and I get to try it and I, I played baseball way back when. So I have an understanding of how to, you know, throw something, yeah. but same efficiency that she does yeah um I tell you what she has in I think it's been about three months now it like the 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 hashtag rope like a girl mm-hmm. she, she's not roping like a girl anymore and and I mean mean that in she's strong and it whenever she first started with me she had she was having to like throw her entire body into 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 the calf to get the rope to that position and we've worked on obviously we've worked at strengthening a lot of her a lot of her musculature that's in, in charge of of roping and and we've done some exercises to where we we take her body out of it so we actually rope whenever she comes and sees me mm-hmm. um and she's gotten to where it's just one two and there's no everything stable everything stationary and and it and it is fast and it is strong. And, um, and, and, and she was one that we were talking like, man, I really want, I, uh, I, I want, um, I want to increase my body composition and all this stuff. And I'm like, what's your goal here? Is it body composition or is it performance? And she was like, it's performance. And I was like, cause if you want to be strong and fast, sometimes we have to give up a little bit of 
our, our body composition. I don't need to be at 2% body fat in order right. to rope, you know, I, matter of fact, I want maybe a little bit extra meat because then I can throw harder. So, um, and, and, but she has done so well, uh, just from like making that lifestyle change of, Hey, I'm just going to go rope occasionally or every day, even to, I'm going to work out rope less. And then the times that I do rope, Holy smokes. I'm it's so much easier for me. So, um, I hope that, I hope that that does the same thing for you yeah, as you I can already attest to that. Like I have not actually roped a calf this year. Um, yeah. in practice, like I have roped the bale some and I've roped a lot of steers. Like I've been team roping a lot, but my physical fitness level is probably higher than it's been since I was in high school. I mean, and, and I college rodeoed and I've pro rodeoed, but um, with the running and the workouts that I'm doing within the running um, and the yoga, like I've been pretty consistent with doing yoga and stuff to where I feel better and I'm stronger than I feel like I've ever been, even though I know I have a long ways to go. But when I'm back in the box, having the confidence of, I know that I'm physically fit enough to do this, um, has yeah. really changed to where I've missed one calf in competition this year. And wow. there's definitely things that I can do to be faster. I can, you know, you can always, always, always improve in the horsemanship and all the things that go into it. But I can definitely yeah. attest to just even that balance ball exercise. I think I tagged you in the, that yeah. we've been doing. And I got one of those half the bossy balls, the half huh? ball. Um, some of the kids, I sponsor 70 kids across the country each year and they do monthly challenge videos and there's these boys in star Texas. And I might see if I can't send them up to you because these kids are awesome. I love on their last name is bottle bomb, um, rowdy and judge. And they get on that bossy ball or bossy ball and, and they rope the dummy. And I started, I bought one last year and I started doing that and I couldn't believe one, how unstable I was to begin with Two. Yep how it triggered like once I got those muscles firing again the next time I got on my horse I roped totally different because yeah. I wasn't using my whole body to rope because I had triggered an association in my brain to keep my balance as I was swinging to where I could rope and now getting on the balance ball or the other ball yoga ball or whatever they call the big ones <laughs> um and well, like yeah, you had made a comment about how it's not necessarily using your whole body, but having to trigger all those muscles and keep my balance and rope at the same time, it's mind-blowing, one, how out of shape I am when it comes to yeah. that kind of stuff, and two, once you learn to breathe into that, because I catch myself like, oh, I can't stick you my balance, well, yeah, but if I breathe and just relax when I start to lose my balance, then it lets the energy out, it distributes my weight, and all of a sudden, now I can half-ass rope this thing. I mean, I still can't do it very well, but by the end of the right. year, that's my goal. I have a actually a match set up with Riley Smith. He's one of our um, Rodeo Kids ambassadors, and he's okay. the one who taught me about the big balance ball, and so we have a challenge in Vegas this year to see who can rope the best on the ball. Well so the balance ball is, so I do something instead of the balance ball or the stability ball. Um, I actually have, like, I'll put them on and you've probably seen the post on, on Instagram. I, I put uh, one of my individuals up on like a, like a, a box. Right. Yeah. And I have it on their knees. Right. And the balance ball does the same thing. It makes it to where you, you can't use your body. Mm -hmm. Like 
use the rest of your body to thrust it forward or use your hips to thrust it forward or anything like that. The stability ball does the same thing. It makes it to where your body has to stay stagnant and still and balanced. And the only thing that's working, right, are, are the muscles that are associated with your shoulder, right? So everything here is what's working and everything down here is just staying still where if you're standing up, there's so much movement that can occur that it, it's, it's not realistic for one, if you're riding, if you're riding a horse, cause you're not just standing still while you're riding a horse. Right. right. But transfers so much better if you're working on stationary or, or stabilizing type exercise whenever you get on the horse. And, and one of the things that we talk about a lot was, Hey, in sport, the less movement you have, the more, or the, the better your performance will be mm-hmm. um, and the more consistent you will be. So if I'm constantly moving my body to throw a rope, right, I'm moving my head, right? My head, this individual, their head was bouncing up whenever they threw. You've probably seen that where people go up like this. Well, yeah. <laughs> so if, so if, you, if you look at it from in regards to like your eyes and the perspective, it completely changes, right? So now not only has, have you put extra movement into it, right? You just moved the calf, right? So your calf went from being here to now being here because my eyes went up, right? So now I'm throwing at a completely different target. So I have to then, my, my brain has to then recognize where that positioning of that calf is and I have to adjust where I'm going to throw it. Yeah. Right? Well, it's really interesting that you say that because like I used to goat tie, um, that was my big thing in high school and in college. And as I've given clinics and lessons, uh, one thing that I've learned, yeah, less is more for movement. You know, the less, the more simple movements you can make and stay there, the quicker you're going to be. And one thing is like when you're tying, like how you hold your legs and where you look, a lot of girls will bob their head up and down while they're tying instead of staying in a position where it's all right here. And I have talked about that a lot, but I have never put the association with it that as they move their head, their eyesight changes. So it changes the perception of where you're at. Right. Yeah. So then your body has to adjust to, um, your, your body has to adjust what's called your, your proprioception, where you are in space, your body recognizes that. And, and it's constantly changing, right? Whenever your head is bouncing. So the more stationary we become, the better proprioception we have of knowing where we are in space. It's, I mean, and, and, and your rope becomes an extension of your hand, right? Because you that before, well, if we have less movement, it, it becomes easier to recognize this as an extension of your hand. Like, um, so like I said, I was, I played ball baseball back in the day and it's the same thing with like hitting, right? The bat is an extension of your hands. So if, if I, if I have the baseball that's coming at me and I'm sitting in this position and if I load and I go straight back, right, my eyes, my eyes stay level. But if whenever I load and I bounce up, well then that base, that baseball's bouncing as it's coming towards the bat, which is makes it the most impossible thing in the world to hit. Right. So And it's the exact same thing with other sports is the less head movement you have, the more successful you'll be because your perception um, is is much, much better whenever things are still. So, well, and that just 
like I think about last week or two weeks ago, I think it was just last Monday, I had a girl come for lessons and I put her on the stability ball and she has just started roping. And like, I've been doing that with kids. Like the first time that they rope, I put them on either the bossy ball or the stability ball right off the bat. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. But we went from when she was roping on the ground and she figured out how to swing correctly. Yeah. But then she'd lean every time she'd push it and she'd hinge yeah. at the hips and bring her shoulders forward and round out and lose her balance or take a step with the wrong foot or whatever. And right. so I was like trying to coach her through that, I was like, just get on this ball. And I put her on that ball. And by the end of it, her loops were snappy. They were correct. And it's because she was looking in the same place. She was isolating the movement to an extension of her arm versus an extension of her whole body and stable yes. and like, I had, a, there was, we took the ball with me to one of the rodeos. Um, I was traveling with my parents and I had it out and I was just roping the head dummy before we team roped that night. And my dad took it over to some, one of the guys that's been around forever, one of the parents and the, the dad's like, I don't believe in all that kind of stuff. Like, I just, I remember they used to rope on a bale and that's good for me. And I'm like, that's how you got where you've gotten but the times have changed. The competition yeah. is getting stiffer. There is more advancement. And yes, there is like when it comes to all of the supplements and all the nutrition and all of the different techniques. Yes, there's a lot of BS out there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's a lot of good stuff out there too. And the stability thing is huge. Yeah. For we, everything. We did, we did one and this was pretty advanced. I have some balance beams. Like they're, they're just like some like two by probably two by eights and they're probably six feet long. And then obviously they have some underneath them. They have like another two by eight to balance them, right? Just like a standard balance beam. Well, we'll I'll start people out with just standing on the balance beam and just moving, moving up actually changes your balance. Right. So then what we did was we, we put another balance beam under it this direction. And then there was a long one. So it was like this. So the balance beam could actually move side to side. Like a teeter totter. Yeah, like exactly. So they had to keep it off the ground and stable. And that was pretty interesting. And then we took it one step further. And this was kind of, this was one of those where it's like, I'm not going to do this with just anybody, but we put it on top of a, 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 a plyo box. So it's again, unstable, but they're two feet, three feet off the ground with this unstableness, which is what you are on a horse. Yeah. I mean, granted, your feet are in there, but it, you're you're at an elevated level, right? Which is what you're doing on a horse, and you've had this stability that's way up high, and they're roping, and it was amazing just to watch. Like, like they were like, I'm kind of like, I'm worn out from doing like two or three of them, and I was like, Yes, you should be because you're contracting every single muscle in your body in order to stabilize yeah. and stay on that. And then, like you said, we're isolating just this and man roping has some individuals roping has gotten so much better from like you isolating and, and not using the rest of your body just use this it's like just sit down and do it don't don't get up sit down and do this you're strong enough to do it yeah right well and just think of like if your body and your brain knows that your whole body is working together versus isolating very specific muscles that are wearing out your other muscles. Like we talked about in the very beginning, like mm -hmm. you are working for yourself instead of against yourself with your entire body. Yeah. 
that's all stupid. Like, like I said, I love this stuff and it's been so insightful and interesting to continue learning about it. And I'm excited to continue seeing how, um, it in increases my performance and the performance of those that hopefully listen to this and join in. Yeah. I hope it takes off. Um, I, I, um, I think it will. I think like we had talked about, it's going to be a little bit of a culture change, um, culture shock probably for some. Um, but those that are willing, um, they won't have any problem. You know, right. if you, if you be the best, then you'll, you're going to do things that others aren't willing to do. That's, yeah. that's kind of the best is. So. Yeah. And when it comes to the financial part of it, one thing that my mom always told me, like when I was, uh, I think 21, I totaled or one of my trucks quit working. So I had to buy a new truck. And um, I went to go look at one of them and I was like, no way. And in the process, like that truck wasn't going to work out. My dad called the dealership at home because he was with me and he purchased the truck over the phone, but I had to pay for it. And I didn't like, like, I didn't know how much they were going to charge me for it. And I had to pay for the whole thing. I was like, you did what? Like, that's like almost a $40,000 truck. I'm only 21. I train horses. And you know, you don't make a lot of money when you're 21 years old, let alone when you train horses. But my mom, when I got home, she's like, you know, I can like, if it's something you need to have, if it's something that you believe in, you will find the money. And now as I've gotten older, what I've realized is that if it's something that's part of my path, that's part of my journey, that's part of my purpose that God put me on earth for, he will provide the money. If that's what so I was going to say, it, the money will find you and, yeah. and, and, and he will provide for you. Yeah, and that's where you have to trust, trust in him that, that if, if your goal and your dream is to be the best competitor or to do your very best in this industry in rodeo, then he wants you to do what it takes to get there and to spread his message along the way. So take the plunge, have the faith and invest, invest in yourself, invest in your horse, invest in the future. Amen to that. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to call that a wrap on that one. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah. I guess, thank you so much for having me on. This is, this was fun. Yeah. It really is. And yeah, we'll do it again soon. And, and I'm looking forward to that zoom. So yes. sounds good. Well, thank you and have a good rest of your day. You too. See ya. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the rodeokids.com podcast. We could not do it without you, and we sincerely appreciate you. Please share the podcast with your friends, your family members on social media, and talk about it in the truck. You know, these are made and created in desire to support the Western industry and the families and the youth that make it thrive. So please help us support you by supporting us and continuing just to share share the word and let us know if there's anything that we can do to support you. We have coaching calls. You can schedule clinics in an arena near you because again, we're here to serve you. So let us help and utilize these services. Safe travels, good luck, and God bless.